0: I remember he used to tell me that they used to stuff raw onions up the rectum of horses with colic. My dad used to like these cases because he used to cure them by taking the onions out. But then suddenly, of course, the way it's changed, he suddenly had the modern drugs. And then overnight, almost, the vet became
1: the magician with the needle. There were great days for the vet there, the magic man with the needle. That was veterinarian Jim White reminiscing about his dad, Elf, who was also a vet in a podcast I recorded a while ago. Now Alf White was also an author, writing under the pseudonym of none other than James Herriot. If you haven't listened to this podcast, you can find it in our back catalogue. Anyway, I digress. What brought me to play this clip is a bit convoluted, so bear with me. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to go to a 50-year reunion of one of my primary school classes. Going to the reunion got me thinking about the changes that have happened in the world of veterinary science and animal care, so for something a bit different for this episode, I have opened some of the old veterinary texts on my shelf.
0: You are listening to The Vet Podcast, presented by veterinarian Dr Brian Greger from New Zealand. Join us as we discuss pet health issues from around the world.
1: Over the years I've accumulated a number of old veterinary books. I thought it might be interesting in this podcast just to deviate a little bit from what we normally do and have a look at how some of the conditions that we see or don't see now were treated back in days of yore. The first book that i've got
0: here is an old one called the modern veterinary advisor now this book is dated i'm just flicking through the front here this book is dated 1910 it's a big five volume edition an english-based book with most of the disease processes are related to farm animals but there's a couple of sections on cats and dogs so i thought i'll just read through a few of these for you now one of the first diseases that they mention about dogs is distemper distemper is still present in some parts of the world we know these days that it's caused by a virus there are very very effective vaccines against it which have basically eliminated the disease particularly in New Zealand and I would imagine fairly well around the world so this is what they're saying about distemper distemper there is a popular but erroneous idea that every dog must have distemper, and by ignorant persons, almost every ailment in a young dog is assigned to this cause. Distemper is an all too common canine disease, but not so universal as opposed. It is caused by a minute microorganism, well that's true as we know now, it's caused by a virus, and is very infectious. The symptoms of the disease manifest themselves chiefly in the mucous membranes of the eyes, nose, throat and bowels. Every case arises from a preceding one, the germ being either spread by actual contact or inhaled. Unless great care is taken, the mortality from distemper is large, some veterinarians placing it at as high as 20%. The description goes on a little bit more about what the disease actually looks like. In some forms there is a cough, in others there is an eruption of the skin in the form of scabs. Then it goes on to about treatment. Now this is, I find, the the more interesting part of this whole thing. Treatment. The treatment should be directed to isolating the patient from other dogs. Well, this is quite sensible and we'll still do this these days. And strict attention must be paid to hygienic precautions already described. Medicinal measures depend upon the symptoms in each special case and will require skilled prescribing. The kennel or house must be kept warm and well ventilated and lighted. I'm not quite sure what the lighting is going to do. Medicinal agents and uncomplicated forms of distemper being far less important than good management and attention. Disinfect into the floors and drains. Cover the dog with a rug or blanket and give boiled arrowroot, raw mincemeat, beef tea and milk. An egg beaten up in milk with, here we go, with a teaspoon of brandy is an excellent thing in great prostration. Coax the dogs to take nourishment, clean away the discharge of the nose and eyes. As a rule, one attack of distemper renders the dog immune from any further infection of this disease. But this is not invariably the case. This is actually quite interesting because this is sort of leading on, I guess, to to the vaccination that we're doing these days from it. Okay, next disease, rickets. Now, rickets, as we see it, is a... It's always thought that dogs get rickets when they're fed on diets which are insufficient in calcium. A little bit of a background on this disease. Calcium deficiency is the primary cause of rickets in humans. We normally see a condition in dog called osteodystrophy fibrosa, which is more a, a... a malalignment of the amount of calcium and phosphorus in the diet rather than a straight calcium deficiency Um, and it is caused by feeding a dog which is predominantly meat now this book goes on rickets this disease occurs pretty commonly amongst dogs and whatever be the exact cause of it there is not the slightest doubt that a predisposition towards it is produced by close in breeding. Now, there is no truth at all in that, I would imagine. It is observed to run in certain families and pedigrees. My suggestion would be it's the way that these owners of these certain families are feeding them, probably. In addition, it is often found to occur and born of a weak mother and fed upon milk, poor both in quality and quantity. Its development is encouraged by disregard of the rules which we have laid down in other portions of this work for the proper ventilation, etc. Errors of diet too may be responsible at any rate in part. The symptoms of rickets are unmistakable because the result of the disease is an interference with the proper development of bones and joints which causes the animal in time to exhibit badly shaped limbs with thick joints and deformities. The bones may be so weak that they cannot bear the weight of the dog and as a result they bend in different directions. They're Talking about some illustrations of it here. The treatment of this condition is first of all preventative, that is to say every attention should be paid to hygienic surroundings in the pups. They should then be brought up in warm, dry, well ventilated place where they have plenty of fresh air and sunshine and everything around them it should be scrupulously clean. This is the thing I find really quite interesting. Diet, which we know now is the major cause, is one of the last things that comes in here. The diet should be such as is easily digested and at the same time thoroughly nourishing and a portion of it should consist, as soon as the pups are old enough, of meat. Now, this is actually going probably the wrong way completely. When the disease shows itself a good deal of milk should be given in which a tablespoon of lime water to every quart to pint of milk may be added. Now lime water I'm taking it is calcium carbonate or a calcium carbonate solution, which is the kind of thing I'm not sure what products you've got available in different parts of the world, but we use things like Bone Grow, which is calcium carbonate, calcium diphosphate if we have to treat these dogs which have got ODF. Cod liver oil is also recommended in small doses once or twice a day. So that's all quite interesting. They certainly got the wrong wrong handle on that disease there. We'll jump to another book that I've got here. This is actually came from my grandfather years ago it's a it's a little american book actually called lee's priceless recipes the standard three thousand secrets for home farm laboratory workshop and every department of human endeavor 1917 this book was was published just there's some really interesting things in here how to make a horse look as if it's founded old jockey's tricks which i won't go into because i'm sure it's absolutely illegal one thing I will have a look at here is, is colic. Now, colic is a problem that horses get, which is same as kids, I suppose. It's an abdominal pain or discomfort. It can be fatal. These days we treat it with pain relief and often surgical. What they're talking about here, colic. This, this is just a book of, of formulas, basically. Colic. Gum, camphor, one ounce. Cayenne, one ounce. Gum, myrrh one ounce. Powdered gum, guacum, one ounce. One ounce of sassafras bark, spirits of turpentine, one ounce, oil of oregano, one quarter of an ounce, oil of hemlock, quarter of an ounce, pulverized opium, there's, there's an int- chemical on this, pulverized opium, quarter of an ounce, I don't know where you get that these days, good alcohol, two quarts, mix and let stand for 10 to 12 days and
1: filter. I would hazard a guess if you left the brew sitting for ten to twelve days after you noticed your horse had colic, by the time you got to use it, the horse would be better or dead. And then, dose from one to four teaspoons and a pint of
0: milk. Keep this on hand. It is the best colic cure known. Very, very
1: interesting brew. And of course, there's always the old James Herriot trick of the onion up the rectum for treating colic.
0: Got another one going along the same um, same line here. A liniment to kill pain one gallon of alcohol obviously these guys had alcohol to burn back in the in the early parts of last century one ounce of tincture of caine, two ounces of tincture of gum camphor two ounces tincture of ammonia and quarter of an ounce of chloroform mix well and let stand for 12 hours and use as a salve goodness gracious me but Often these treatments, you know, some of the stuff that we're using these days, you can actually trace it back to folk roots. I guess a lot of things that appear in these books have been tried and true for years and years and um, they didn't know why they worked. They just knew that they worked.
1: I am sure a number of you, especially some of our older vet listeners like our old friend and sometime contributor Scott in Canada, have heard of some weird old treatments. Why don't you share them with us on our Facebook or Instagram pages? Okay, to wrap things up here, I have a request. I'm planning an episode looking at fish medicine in the future, be it aquarium fish or fish farming. If you are a vet working in either of these areas, or both, or you know someone who is, it would be great if you could message me through Facebook or Instagram or email me at vetpodcast at gmail.com so we can have a talk. As a final thought, we are sitting here in New Zealand in relative isolation from COVID and life is pretty well normal. I know this is far from normal worldwide For those of you plying your veterinary trade with all of the restrictions, difficulties and risks I applaud you I can't even imagine how difficult and stressful this would be To the rest of you please keep safe
0: To find us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram just search at VET Podcast and like us while you are there Subscribe to us on your usual podcast player and if you enjoyed the podcast, please rate us on your player and share us with your friends. Our website is vetpodcast.weebly.com, Weebly Weebly is W E E B L Y, or email vetpodcast at gmail.com.